It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know who that's? From the playlikeajet.com digital studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it's time for midweek news and notes. So for that, we bring in our friend who covers the Jets for NorthJersey.com, Mr. Andy Vasquez. Andy, what's going on, brother? Not much, Scott. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, and I sort of have to bring this up. I'm not trying to rub it in your face, but you did bring it up to me when you texted me a couple of days ago. You said the Jets were definitely not picking a corner at 4 or 10. They picked one at 4, so Andy, may I call the time? No, I, well, I didn't say they definitely weren't. I said, I don't think they are. And I also said that probably means they will. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I didn't think they would. So I knew as soon as I said that this, this would happen. And, you know, shame on me for believing, um, you know, kind of what they've been putting out there publicly for, you know, the entire time Robert Sala has been here, which is, you know, we don't need a, a big time corner, you know, to succeed. We can turn these guys that we have into, you know, you know, the difference between player A and player Z is, as Robert Salas said uh, a number of times, is not that that much. And, and they can turn a corner that they have into a a star or, or a really good player. And, you know, that's what they were putting out there. And, and obviously they don't didn't believe that. So I, I like the pick and I, I I like Sauce Gardner a lot, so I, I give them credit for it. But yeah, uh, I kind of figured this could this could happen when you definitively say, "I don't think they're going to do that." Andy, I wanted to ask you about Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and the misdirection and feeding things to the media and how that's worked out for them. It just appears to me that Joe Douglas' strategy is to confuse everybody by throwing a million things out there, leaking a bunch to the press, and then having you guys try and make heads or tails out of it, people not understanding what they're really going to do, and then they go ahead and make a move that most people didn't think was going to happen. Sauce Gardner is a good example. As you said, since Robert Sella got here, all you've heard is they're not big on corner, they're not big on corner. Then they go and pay DJ Reed, and they draft Sauce Gardner at number four overall. Then you heard Aquanu, 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 Jermaine Johnson, Jermaine Johnson, Jermaine Johnson, ends up being Sauce Gardner at number four. You heard Drake London, Drake London, Drake London, Drake London, ends up being Garrett Wilson at number 10. Never heard anything about Brees Hall or the Jets being interested in a running back as high as they drafted one. So tell me a little bit about how Joe Douglas has played with the media a little bit, because I think it's a fascinating game that he's been engaging in. And it's got to be challenging for you guys to try and figure out what's real and what's not from what's coming out of Florham Park. Yeah, it's definitely a challenge. and It's definitely, you know, it's you got to kind of feel it out. Um, what what is real and what's not and, and usually what is logical is is what is real and and what is not is is not real I mean and if you look back at like the, the backup quarterback situation last year where the whole year was I mean at one point Robert Sala said that 
that I can't remember if this is about quarterback or cornerback, but it was one of them that he said that having, you know, a veteran backup quarterback, that's what it was, is like a pacifier. It just makes you feel better. And then they go and sign Joe Flacco or trade for Joe Flacco and tell us that that's never what they thought all along. Um, You know, I think it's just part of it is just like justifying the current situation uh, and not revealing their true beliefs. And I think that's what they've done a good job of is like they never really like you don't know exactly what Douglas is thinking uh, because he doesn't usually say it. And then I, I think like he does a good job of keeping his true thoughts, you know, I don't think he's the guy who's talking to the to the media behind the scenes a lot. That, that's the best way I can say it. So you never actually know what he's thinking. And then, um, you know, people around him or people who may know with the Jets, you know, give their opinions. And that kind of drives what you're seeing. Uh, but that's that's, you know, an advantage as a GM for other GMs not to know exactly what you're doing because they don't know you're going to make a tr- uh, you know, try to trade up for for a Brees Hall if he's there until it's too late for you to do anything about it, or um, you know they don't know what you're going to do at number four until it's too late for them to do anything about it. And and there there are advantages there, but it's you know uh, there's a balance there because at a certain point your fans and and the people who regularly cover the team aren't going to believe anything you say when when you say it, and and, and that can kind of shape how the public views you. So it's a balance, but I, I definitely think it's helped him in terms of being able to pull off some of these trades and, and have the leverage there. Um, you know, if anything, you can, you can tell just looking from the outside that Joe Douglas is very prepared because he knows where to go and get the stuff he needs. Like when they traded Blake Cashman earlier this year, uh, you know, how do you trade a guy that you drafted in the fifth round and, and played like 25% of his games to get anything back from him. But Douglas knows that Houston doesn't value its late round picks and got a sixth round pick out of it. So it's just, I think it's a combination of him, you know, knowing who needs what across the league and, and uh, teams being forced to guess about what the jets are doing. And, and he's used that to his advantage to play that part of, I mean, you cannot fault what Joe Douglas has done in terms of gathering assets and maneuvering, uh, to get what he wants with trades, whether or not the players are going to be what the Jets think they are going to be. That's another story, but, but he's very good at that. And I think this whole, you know, not having people know what they're thinking, the vibe that he's created with that has helped him do that. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Andy, at number four, the Jets took Sauce Gardner. He was apparently their guy all along. Joe Douglas said they were sweating it out a little bit. There was some buzz that Derek Stingley might go number three, but they weren't sure. However, Douglas did say that at no point did the Jets ever really consider moving up from four or from ten. And at 10, they took Garrett Wilson, but there was some consideration of Wilson at number four because they were afraid he wouldn't make it to number 10. What do you know about what happened there in the top 10? Because it sounds like the Jets got the two guys that they were really hoping for, or at least that's what they're trying to tell us right now is what happened. Yeah, well, I think, they, like you said, I think Sauce was was very high on their board. And I think you know they were probably nervous about what Houston was going to do at, at three because Houston is another team that's for a different reason, totally unpredictable just because, I mean, they're, you know, who, who the hell knows what they're going to do. I mean, they, it's been, it's been weird. So yeah, for them to pick uh, Stingley at three was, 
well, it was a surprise, I think, for everybody. And I, I don't know if it was a surprise for the Jets, but they, the Jets certainly had to be worried. And, and I think they got, you know, sauce at four. I think where the intrigue came was at 10. Um, on the day the draft ended, Robert Sala had an interview with SNY's Janae Coakley and said something that was, I thought was really interesting. Uh, and, and I think Jets fans can thank the Falcons because he said that if, if the Falcons had taken Garrett Wilson instead of Drake London at eight, uh, that Jermaine Johnson would have been their guy at 10. So um, I, I think that tells you how much they valued Johnson. I think that tells you how much they valued Garrett Wilson uh, and what they thought about this receiver class. Uh, they obviously, uh, you know, didn't think it was as deep as everybody else thought it was because they, they weren't going to take one of those other guys at 10. So if, if that's true, um, but it, it's just, very interesting how things fell the Jets' way there, and and if it turns out a little differently, maybe they're trading up late in the first round to get Brees Hall instead of getting him in the second round. Um, and and you're still talking about them adding some weapons, uh, you know, key uh, key positions all over the field. But but maybe this this draft haul isn't as impressive as as it turned out to be. So you know, it definitely worked out in the Jets' favor that the Texans took Stingley and not Gardner. It definitely worked out in the Jets' favor that. The Falcons took London and not Wilson, and that allowed the Jets to get all three of, of their guys. So, uh, it, yeah, it's it's very interesting how, how it all plays out. And, and, you know, then you have the added thing about the Giants going with Kayvon Thibodeau at, at five right after the Jets took Gardner at four. Um, that's just going to be interesting to play out because, you know, I know they're different positions, but like it or not, uh, that pick is going to be, you know, evaluated those two guys being picked next to each other are going to be evaluated and, and watched over the next you know, decade or so, or, or however long each guy is in the league. And, and you're going to kind of be wondering if, if the Jets made a mistake by passing on, on Thibodeau or, or if the Giants uh, made a mistake by, by picking him at five. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how everything that happened in the top 10 shakes out. We know now that the Jets tried to trade up as high as number 15. Joe Douglas said that after the Texans moved out of the 13th pick, that Robert Salas started tapping him on the shoulder saying, J.J.'s fallen, we got to go get him. And Douglas looked at him and said, okay, let's do it. And they kept trying to call and trade up. And I joked about this the other day on the show, but it was like me with my mock draft simulators before the Senior Bowl when Jermaine Johnson's stock rose up and you could still get him in the 20s on the mock draft simulators. I'd be trying to move up and I'd get rejected and get rejected and get rejected. And then sometimes I'd finally get him sometime in the 20s with a trade offer. That's what happened with Douglas here. And then with Brees Hall, they had him ranked number 18 on their board and even tried to trade into the back of the first round to get him, presumably not only because they were afraid someone else would take him, but also they wanted that 50-year option. And so to get him at number 36, only having to surrender a fifth-round pick to jump the Texans to get him seems like fantastic value based on where they had him placed on their board and what their needs were at the time. So again, Jermaine Johnson falling more than anybody expected, the Jets going up and pouncing and getting him, and Brees Hall a shot from out of nowhere, but it was certainly something that they needed and they got aggressive and they went and got it done. Yeah. You, you can't argue with the jets getting good value. And, and I know a lot of people don't like the idea of taking a running back so high, but I mean, when you look at what the jets were able to do earlier in the draft and, and address some of the more pressing needs. And, and I understand that like they have needs at linebacker and safety and um, you know, on the interior defensive line and maybe you, like they could have added even an offensive lineman earlier, but 
you know, it's all about adding explosive playmakers for your young quarterback at this point. I think let's not forget that that is the most important thing. And um, for the Jets to be able to add Garrett Wilson and to be able to add um, Hall, I mean, I just think it's it just makes Zach Wilson's the odds that he's going to have guys on the field who can make game breaking plays. I think it's gone up immensely since this draft and, and what more can you ask for, for your young quarterback? So uh, while I understand why some people from a, if you're strictly looking at it from a draft value standpoint, may not like the jets, not getting or using those assets to get a guy who's not at a premium position technically, but I think, you know, he can have a premium impact for the jets uh, coming in. And, and that's why I think it, it was worth it. Andy, you mentioned Kayvon Thibodeau before, and there were all kinds of different conflicting reports as to whether or not the Jets liked Thibodeau. Even her Rich Simini of ESPN say that he didn't think the Jets would take Thibodeau even if he was there at number 10. Is that the sense you got that the Jets were just out on Thibodeau? Well, I mean, I think probably. I mean, it's hard to, to know because, you know, for, for Salah to say that they were going to take Johnson if he was there at 10, if, if, Hall, if, uh, Sorry, too many damn names. Mm-hmm. For for Salah to say that they were going to take Johnson at ten if if Wilson was off the board, uh, that's long after Thibodeau was already off the board. So we don't really know. Um, I have I have a hard time thinking that you're going to pass up if you're going to get an edge rusher at ten if if your receiver's gone. I still have a hard time thinking they're pa- they're going to pass up like that kind of proven production, especially at the tenth pick. I mean, the value there would be. You know, you couldn't argue the value there. So I'm not 100% certain, but like they obviously didn't think he was one of the the very best players in the draft because they they drafted a cornerback ahead of him. Andy, you had the opportunity to talk with the rookies that got drafted on night number one, Jermaine Johnson, Sauce Gardner, and Garrett Wilson as part of a presser that they did jointly. It was the first time they met the press. What was your first impression of these guys? Yeah, so they're not like, I think if you watched the Giants introductory press conference and you saw like, like it was kind of like a clinic from Thibodeau in terms of like putting on a little bit of a show and, and, and saying all these quotable things with, with the Jets, three new guys, it wasn't like that. These guys, but these guys seemed very, like they did not seem like these young guys who were um, overwhelmed by the situation. They seemed very ready for it. They seemed, you know, very measured, controlled, matured, um, and I think that was probably the biggest takeaway, like maybe not the flashiest guys, but, um, they definitely are, are focused and, and didn't seem like this moment was like overwhelming or, or too big for them. Um, you know, Gardner, I, he's kind of got a reputation for being a guy who's a, who's a good quote and, and, and says a lot of interesting things and, and he did say some interesting things during the open opening press conference but for a guy with the nickname of sauce i think he was a little bit more subdued than, than maybe i expected but also like i think he's a guy who has a track record of of letting his play speak for itself and and also you know having a lot of confidence so i think you'll kind of see him come come into his own in terms of being like a character in in this in this market um over time and I, and I think Johnson you know he's a guy who's clearly 
very smart and, and you know, very, um, he, you can tell he feels grateful to be in this situation to end up with a team that, that he really clicked with during the interview process. And, and I think Jets fans should find that really refreshing. I mean, this guy really wants to be here uh, and, and help like turn this around. And, and I think, you know, with Garrett Wilson, he kind of talked about how he's, he's his skill set, his ability to line up like all over the place, which is, like obviously very important in the Jets offense as we learned last year with, with Den- Denzel Mims inability to get out on the field. I mean, they want guys who can, who can do it all and line up in the slot, line up outside, uh, understand the route tree, stuff like that. And, and he, he's embracing that kind of role. He doesn't see himself as a slot or an outside guy. He just sees himself as a guy who, who's going to fit in the offense. And that's another thing, by the way, going back with Gardner, that was the, for me, the coolest or most interesting moment of the press conference is when, he was asked about, you know, how do you think you fit into this defense, which is, you know, more of a zone defense than than what you played in college. And he was like, I, I fit into every system. Like, I'm, I can do whatever they, they need me to do. And I think, like, that confidence and, and that, like, sense of team is, is what you saw from all three of these guys. All three of these guys know the situation that they're coming into. They know the Jets have been bad for a long time. And and they're embracing a being a part of, of turning it around. They're, they're not going to be paralyzed by that. They're looking at this as a, as a huge opportunity to be kind of the face of, of a new era of Jets football. And, and I think that's what ultimately their legacy is going to be for good or bad that you're going to remember, you know, Friday in that press conference. And these three guys are either going to be the, a huge reason for why they turned it around or if, if it doesn't work out, you're going to look back and, and remember that, you know, they didn't, they weren't the right guys. And, and this is because the jets didn't get it right in this draft. Uh, it's going to, that's why they're having to, to rebuild again. So I, I don't know if I, if that made sense, but I hope so. Andy, we've got rookie minicamp coming up over the weekend. What's going to be going on there? I know you guys are going to be covering it on Friday and Saturday. What should people expect to hear about? Well, well, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a lot different than last year, obviously, because you're not going to, you don't have a quarterback out there. And uh, so it's not going to be as, as much about like how these guys are playing. I mean, let, let's be honest. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to evaluate anything that we see on the field this weekend because, you know, it's, it's May and, and these guys are in shorts and, and this is very far from, from training camp and, and what real football is going to look like in the fall. So, um, you know, aside from a very obvious things like, you know, guys not messing stuff up at the line of scrimmage and, and guys not dropping passes and, and, you know, getting burned, uh, you know, it's going to be hard to take take away much of an evaluation from what we see out there on the field. But I, I also think there's going to be some things that we can learn uh, how these guys interact with their teammates, uh, you know, what their presence is out there on the field, how, how hard they're working uh, that, that sort of stuff. So there is, there is going to be insight and obviously we'll have the chance to talk to all of these guys at some point during the, the two days that we're at mini camp, rookie mini camp. So that there'll be insight there as well, but, yeah, it's very early, so I wouldn't expect a ton of, of like, oh, you know, Sauce Gardner is for real type stuff. Um, we, we're not going to know yet. We're just, this is just the very beginning, and, and 
the, the coolest thing for Jets fans is you're going to be able to see all these guys in a Jets uniform and a Jets helmet out, out on the practice field uh, when, when we're taking the, the photos and videos of that. So uh, it's just that's what it is. It's a first chance to see what these guys look like in a Jets uniform and, and kind of what they're bringing to the field, the practice field in terms of, of how they go about their business. And Andy, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up the fact that you are, of course, from Detroit. Robert Salas from Detroit. Sauce Gardner's from Detroit. So that should give you a bit of an in here. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, obviously, um, you know, Gardner talked about his his upbringing and being from Detroit and, and how that's like he's talked about it many times, how it's part of his identity. And it, Obviously, for Salah, that's the case, too. And I, I'm sure that's a part of, of their connection, uh, a big part of it. So, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely interesting to see how how that will play out. And 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 I and I and I know that, uh, you know, as being someone who's from there, it's something that you're always proud of and 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 something that that you kind of carry with you, you know, throughout your life, uh, you know, a sense of pride about being from from a place that's gone through a lot of hard times and and you know it's that city is a lot better better than it was now so you know when you talk about sauce gardener a guy who knows about what it's like coming up you know not being believed in uh you know being from a place where where a lot of people have gone through a lot of adversity and also he helped cincinnati become something that no one believed they could become when when he first stepped on the field against ucf and and made that huge play in october of, of 2019 uh like nobody saw three years later, but less than three years later, the Bearcats like having their their own destiny in their own hands. If, if they win two games, they win a national championship, and and he helped them do that. So I think that makes him uniquely equipped to handle some of the challenges that he'll face as as he tries to help the Jets make a similar leap in the coming years. Andy Vasquez covering the Jets for NorthJersey.com. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. For those who want to check out your work over at NorthJersey.com and take advantage of that great offer, $1 for six months of unlimited access to everything at NorthJersey.com. I recommend taking advantage of that deal now before it goes away. Fantastic offer. Andy, you've got a lot of stuff that's behind the paywall, but also not behind the paywall. So for anybody that wants to check it out or follow you on social media, how can they do that? And what are you working on? Yeah, I'm, I'm at Andy underscore Vasquez on Twitter. Um, I'm working on a very long piece defending my my thoughts about why the Jets weren't going to take a cornerback uh, with the first pick. No, I'm, I'm just I'm just kidding. Uh, there'll, there'll be a lot of stuff about rookie minicamp, obviously, for the next couple of days uh, when, when we're out there on Friday and Saturday. Uh, coming on Thursday morning, I'll have a. Uh, an updated look at the depth chart, uh, where where things kind of stand. Obviously, a very very early look at it, but most of the pieces now are in place, uh, and the roster will look different as we get to, toward training camp. I mean, we saw the Jets add Morgan Moses in June last year, so um, you know it, it, there's going to be time for them to to make some changes here and for things to change. But this is just like a very early first projection of of how things are going to look. So. Check that out at NorthJersey.com on Thursday morning and uh, full coverage of, of rookie minicamp this weekend and then OTAs moving forward after that. 
Follow Andy on Twitter at Andy underscore Vasquez. Read his work over at NorthJersey.com. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great All-22 film breakdowns up on the channel of the top draft picks that the Jets invested in during the 2022 NFL Draft. So watch those videos and subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. We've got the John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, Bless You, Thank You shirt, the Zach Says Go Long shirt. The Zach the Ripper shirt, the Play Like a Jet logo shirt, caps, mugs, hoodies, it's all there. Tpublic.com, that's T-E-E-Public.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.